Welcome to Collision Cast, Fender Bender's official podcast, helping collision repair shop operators make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Mike Munzenreiter, associate editor for Fender Bender. With me today is Travis Mann, damage analysis expert at DB Orlando Collision. I spoke to Travis recently, and his title caught my attention. He's here to talk about what it'll take to write an estimate in 2021 and more. Thanks for taking the time today, Travis. How are you? Good, Mike. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, thanks. Mentioning your title, Damage Analysis Expert. It's different than what a lot of folks think about when it comes to writing estimates, writing accurate estimates. Could you tell us how you came upon that title and why? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't even really like to use the word estimate anymore because, you know, these vehicles nowadays, they're, they're just so far advanced comparatively to where they were, you know, 10 years ago in the industry. I mean, even in the past five years, they've just advanced exponentially throughout the whole time. Um, you know, where, where it kind of comes in the, in the chain from being a, an estimator to more of like a damage analysis expert role um, is basically in your documentation and your research. I, I would probably say 75 to 80% of the time that I'm writing an estimate or, or repair plan, as we like to call it here at DB Orlando, um, is basically just researching the manufacturer's procedures. Um, you know, there, there's a ton of things in these procedures now that are just 100% necessary for a proper and safe repair. Um, that, that's really where the whole shift is going here in the industry is, is more along, um, uh, rather than estimating um, and more creating an actual accurate repair plan. Part of the problem, it seems, is the vehicles advance more is built into that word estimation. It kind of implies a lack of accuracy. Right, exactly, exactly. That's where we like to be is, is more of a repair plan, you know, so that that way it's less about, you know, we're, we're guessing or estimating and we're more, you know, this is the actual repair plan per the manufacturer. Um, you know, that, that, that goes all the way down into, you know, with the consumer. Um, prior, you know, we, we had consumers, they didn't really, you know, the, all these ADOS systems or advanced driver assistance systems weren't really a, a, a thing. Nowadays, these people, they're driving vehicles that are essentially a computer. So it's really kind of changed that whole, that estimating process and do more of a repair planning and being accurate in what calibrations are necessary. You know, if there's any one-time use fasteners, um, a lot of manufacturers, they have these fasteners nowadays that are one-time use only. So uh, for instance, a lot of these center pillar trims, they, they have a one-time use fastener on them and it's due to airbag and safety. So if you're not following these proper procedures and you're not finding out and determining exactly what's necessary for the manufacturer, you're potentially putting your consumer at risk un unknowingly. Seems that procedures can be updated. They can change quickly. That's another reason to get in there every time and read those and stay up to date, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the things um, I'm, I'm trying to think of one that comes to mind, uh, there, was, there was a Tundra. Um, I believe it was, um, I believe it was like last year. Um, they had a Toyota Tundra that the procedure for actually putting a bedside on the truck changed five times within that year. So this isn't something like that you can simply, you know, pull the procedures for one time and say, oh, yeah, no, we're good. We got it. We know what to do on this one. It's, it's a constant learning curve uh, to make sure that we're actually following these procedures and not putting your consumer at risk. Yeah, this is no longer, I know how to do a bumper job because I've done one a thousand times. It, exactly, exactly. 
how do you stay up to date? I mean, it sounds time consuming or is it just a constant accumulation of that knowledge? Is it building habits? So what, what we've done here is we've created a process. So, uh, you know, just like your manufacturers create a process for building the car, they've now created a process for repairing the car. So we've, we've followed in with them on that and basically created our own process to ensure that the entire process is documented and, and performed. So it's, it, what's happened is because of that process and us implementing it, it, it's basically freed up the time because you're not looking for this here, looking for that there. there there's a very strict process associated with it. So as far as the process is concerned, I mean, it, it goes all the way from when the vehicle comes in to reviewing the procedures with the technicians um, to reviewing the procedures through the next technician. We're also doing what's called a, or what we call as a customer consultation. Um, and we're bringing the customer in, we're providing them all of these documents. Um, now COVID has been here. Uh, we're not doing it so much in-house anymore. We're doing a little bit more of like a Zoom call like you and I are doing now. Um, and, and that's just kind of helped create a, a, a safety net, I guess you could say, for, for the consumer. You know, the, the consumer is driving an A-rated safety vehicle, and they probably purchased it because of that. Why the vehicle is rated A safety? I'd probably say 75 to 80% of your consumers don't know. But when you bring these calibrations and show them the, AD the ADOS systems, show them the NPA ratings of the steels in the certain locations of the vehicle, that, that basically helps them understand why their vehicle is rated that way and why these proper and safe repairs are still necessary. Right. It sounds like a very transparent process too. Absolutely. That's, that's number one goal here is educating the consumer first, um, educating the payee, should it be um, an insurance company or uh, a third party that's responsible for the repairs. Um, the main goal is really just the education of everybody, not only us ourselves, but the consumers, the payers and, and the technicians. Um, so that way we can make sure that everybody's on the same page moving forward. Um, one thing that we've done that's helped us a, a lot, Mike, is we've created a shareable link. So we have an external work drive where we're uploading all of the photos of the damage, um, photos of the actual condition of the vehicle, as well as all the procedures. So that way, when it comes down to uh, a negotiation with either the third party payer, the insurance company, whether it's their own insurance company or not, then at that point, you're not doing a whole, um, um, well, let me look that up, or I'm not really sure why we have to do this. It, it's all black and white in front of you. So that way, it's going to help your negotiation. And in just that upfront repair planning process is really what helps throughout the process to kind of streamline the repairs. If mm -hmm. you know what's happening in the beginning, then you're continuing on throughout the process and it makes it more streamlined. Does that repair planning process take more time than air quotes an estimation or is it something that you can get down, get your processes for and move forward with? Well, that, that, that's the thing. This is, this is where you kind of help yourself, right? So sure, it does take more time on the front end, but in the back end, you're not doing a, you know, say post scan on the vehicle and trying to determine, oh, well, I have all these codes in the car. Why is all this happening, right? you already know prior to getting it back all the way through into the re reassembly phase. So you've made the work up front to reduce the time in the end. 
it seems like having all that documentation too in these times when there's less and less human contact, even with the insurance companies, that's also got to help the repair process just run smoothly with fewer unforeseen things coming up. Right. Yeah. That that's that's one of the main goals is is basically by the time you get done with your repair plan, you. We, on average, I'd say we have maybe a 1% to, to 5% change in final bill. And that's mainly the, the main reason for that is just materials. So, you know, if we have additional paint materials that were necessary or, you know, as you guys are aware, your seam sealers, your cavity waxes, you know, whatever the case may be, that's really the only change that we're seeing from the beginning of the process to the end. So having that in mind, we now do not have to wait on an extra part, right? So we've determined that upfront that, hey, these are the parts that we need. So by the time, again, it gets down to the reassembly process, it, it changes the whole adage, or not, not the adage, but it changes the whole process of, hey guys, listen, uh, I'm trying to put this car together, but I don't have a part. Because you've done all your work upfront, your reassembly technician is just taking them in, putting them together, and then pull, pulling them back out, right? So mm -hmm. cycle time, even with that as well. If a shop owner out there wanted to position someone to become their damage analysis expert and get the repair planning process in place, where would you recommend they start? I, I mean, I, I'd recommend uh, first and foremost is personality. Um, you, you know, personality is a huge thing when it comes to my, my role, um, because you're, you're, as everybody knows, the, the, the old estimators, you know, you're basically the man of many hats, right? You, you've got to deal with the consumer. You have to deal with the insurance company. You have to deal with parts. You also have to deal with your technicians. So personality, I feel like, is, is one of the number one things that, that you need to have in that role. Um, just to be able to kind of handle that extra pressure that, that you get because you're, you're the front line when it comes down to everything. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's, you know, closing the customer at the front door or whether it's, you know, closing negotiation with the insurance company. Um, after that, it's just, you have to have, it, it kind of goes with the personality as well, is you have to have somebody that's willing to learn and really, really passionate about, you know, making sure that they're doing the right thing and performing a proper repair per the manufacturer's guidelines. There's training around, um, you know, and it, training is going to help, obviously. Um, but your, your main goal is really kind of getting in touch with your manufacturers, determining, you know, how they want the vehicles repaired and, and then going to your websites or their TIS and, and actually learning what, how they're set up and how they're going through these processes. Um, that, that, that would be probably my, my second step is, is getting with the manufacturers and determining, you know, what, what their certification program entails. Um, and, and if there's any help for you for, for that, um, to go that route, um, Nissan, for, for instance, um, they had a recent conference here in uh, Orlando, uh, I believe it was last year, you know, probably about 75 or 80 attendees. And, you know, the, the main, main part of that whole process or that whole training was, was getting into their TIS and showing everybody how to use it and how to learn from that to make sure you're doing these repairs properly. Right. It sounds like that information is out there from the various OEMs and it's, you just got to go find it or ask how to find it and it'll be there for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Google is your friend. It, it really is. It's, it feels good when you know that you're doing it right rather than just kind of guessing, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, 
Thank you so much, Travis. I really appreciate you taking the time today. This is a uh, very informative. Uh, absolutely, Mike. You know, feel feel free to reach out. You know, if anybody needs uh, you know anything, you know, you guys can you know, reach out to us. We have a great website, everything like that. So I appreciate your time, Mike. Wonderful. Thanks for joining us today on the Collision Cast. Once again, I'm Mike Munzenreiter. Thank you. Thank you.